So like I said, roots and fruit. What fruitful ministry. Wow, incredible. I love that. I want to read to you today from Matthew 7, verse 17 to 27. It says, Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown out. Thus by their fire you sorry, thus by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many of you will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. I love the way the stories that Jesus tells to illustrate life to us. And today, you know, regardless of whether or not you believe in God, I feel like this message about the state of our hearts and about the fruit of our lives and the roots in our hearts, it can help every single one of us. You know, if a tree is bearing good fruit, we would think, naturally think, that it's got good root system, that it's a healthy tree, you know, that it's going well, it's got healthy soil, etc. But if a tree is bearing no fruit or it's got bad fruit, we can assume that there's a problem with the health of the tree. Would you agree this morning? You know, and it's the same in our lives, actually, that the fruit of our lives, our behaviour, the way we treat people, the way we respond in hard times, our, our reaction when the tough things come, you know, that, that instant reaction of, um, oh, that just ticks me off or, you know, okay, I'm going to be calm. You know, the, the, the fruit that comes out of us, our, our thoughts, our words that we speak, all of this is evidence. It's the fruit, it's what we see on the outside, but it's actually evidence of the roots in our heart, of what's going on on the inside. You know, so often we try and help people change their behavior. We try and do behavior modification lessons. You know, we try and like, oh, you need to go to anger management classes, you know, and deal with that anger. Or, or, you know, we focus on what's happening on the outside when actually what we need to be looking at is the root, the heart, what is actually going on on the inside, what are the roots of that behavior? That Okay, so that reaction was quite crazy, but what's the root? What's happening in your heart? And today, this message is not supposed to condemn because there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Today, this message is not supposed to feel like judgment, but this message is about going, okay, God, examine my heart. What is inside of me? What are the roots inside of me? And because sometimes I think, right, that we... um, we just focus on on the outside, but God says that he doesn't look at the outside. 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the performance. People look at the behavior. People look at the, the outside appearance. 
But God looks at the heart. God looks at our heart. You know, sometimes we can get so worked up with doing things for God and being being whatever we want to be for God and living this life. But actually, God's like, yeah, that's great, but I'm interested in your heart. Where's your heart at? What is the state of your heart? What's going on deep inside of you, in your heart? Proverbs 21.2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. <laughs> you know, there's a few of those um, verses in the Bible where you're like, oh, that one's a bit weighty, isn't it? <laughs> that one's a bit like, oh, ouch, you know, like, you know, and, and I think we can sometimes think that we're doing really well and, you know, and, and the truth is we actually get really practiced at living right, at performing, at doing what we're supposed to do and, you know, oh, I'm not supposed to talk like that or I'm not supposed to behave like that or, you know, yep, I've, I've, I'm good got it all together. But actually, if we're honest, there's stuff going on in our hearts deep inside of us and God weighs the heart. Hello, Miss Goldie. <laughs> She's just keeping the party going this morning. God weighs the heart. We might think that our behavior is good, that our, you know, we've, we're right. I'm all right, God. I'm all good. But actually, God's like, no, wait, there's something in your heart that I want to deal with. There's something, there's a deep issue that I want to deal with. There's stuff of the past that I want to deal with. There's, there's a cycle here that I want to break. God is so interested in our hearts. Um, I was actually looking at a gardening website this week, <laughs> only because of this message. No other reason whatsoever. I'm not very good in the garden. Um, but I found this thing. It said, you can grow a healthier tree if you understand its root system. And I thought, wow, that's quite profound. You can grow a healthy life if you understand the root system. Oh, I thought it was quite profound. I was expecting you guys for that. Ooh, yes, yes. <laughs> Help me out here, people. <laughs> it is powerful. Thank you, Sarah. Yes, amen. <laughs> when our hearts change... Our fruit changes. When our hearts change, the fruit changes. When what's on the inside is changing and growing and developing and, and molding and becoming more like Jesus, the fruit on the outside will change. And we've never made it, right? Like you could be sitting here like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm all good. But you know what? The truth is every single one of us, this message is relevant. It's relevant to me because daily we are called to become more and more like Jesus. And so daily our hearts should be growing and, and changing and molding to become more like him. And the fruit should be showing as well. You know, sometimes it's really just the little things the things that might seem quite insignificant, but they can become a big thing when we don't deal with it. The amount of um, adults or people that I've met or chatted to that have got issues or different things going on in their world, and when you delve into it, it's because of little things from the past that weren't dealt with properly. Like, it's quite incredible. And, you know, 
I think because of that, I've decided years ago, God, let me not be a person who ignores the stuff, who ignores the little things. But God, help me to respond well. Help me to always be growing. Help me to, you know, I don't like being challenged. I hate it. But God, if there's correction that comes, you know, let me go, all right, I'm going to take that. I'm going to I'm going to bring it before God and I'm going to you know, take that on and grow from it. We, we need to continue to grow. Otherwise, we die. <laughs> and that's not a good thing. You know, Song of Song 2.15, it talks about the little foxes. It says, catch the little foxes before they ruin the vineyard. And it's actually, it's speaking about a marriage relationship. But I think that it, it can um, relate to our relationship with God, that we need to catch the little foxes before they ruin our relationship with God. The little foxes of offense, the little foxes of hurt, the little foxes of bitterness, the little foxes of misunderstanding, the little foxes of... Um, you know, just stuff of life, if we catch those little foxes and deal with them before they ruin the vineyard, before they ruin our relationship with God and they start to ruin the fruit that is being produced in our lives. David wrote this psalm, Psalm 139, 23 to 34. Actually, I think it's 24. I wrote the wrong thing. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. What a prayer. Imagine if we prayed that every day. God, point out anything in my heart that offends you and help me to deal with it. Help me, God. It's like I said right at the start. It's not about us striving and doing this on our own. God wants our hearts to be whole and he wants to help us. He wants to help us get right. He wants to help us have a pure heart. You know, um, God knows the truth about our hearts. I love this. Jeremiah 17, 9 to 10. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. (laughs) I think sometimes we fool ourselves. We're like, oh yeah, I'm good. Like, I'm okay. But then God's like, no, actually, the heart is deceitful above all things. (laughs) Your heart sucks. No, that's not how God talks. (laughs) And desperately sick, who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. God is so interested in our hearts. He is so interested in the state of our hearts, in the condition of our hearts. It is so important to God. You know, God chooses people according to their hearts. God does not look at the outside. He looks at the heart of a man. We might look at different people that God appoints or puts in different positions and we might think, why them? Why are they in that role? Well, you know why they're in that role? Because God looked at their heart and he said, there's something there. I'm putting them in that position of authority. I'm, I'm choosing them. I'm going to use them. In fact, Pastor Phil Pringle, he, um, who is our senior pastor, he always talks about the fact that when he looks for a person to choose for a role or a position or even, you know, for being up front doing different stuff, he always looks at who is in the prayer meeting. He always looks at who is in the prayer meeting. And just, I'm going to digress for a moment, is that 
I was thinking this week that we're talking about our hearts, but I actually want to digress for a moment and talk about the heart of our church, because I actually think the heart of our church is seen in our prayer meeting. I think the heart of our church comes through the prayer meeting. When we come on a Tuesday night and we gather right here in this room or in the back room, and we gather and we pray, what's happening is we're actually aligning ourselves with the heart of God for this church. It is the heartbeat. The prayer meeting is the heartbeat of our church. Pastor Phil says that when the prayer meeting dies, it won't be long until the church dies. So I'm very thankful for people like David Bell and Gordon Denton, who are keeping our prayer meeting alive two weeks ago. <laughs> they were the only two here. Tim and I were on leave. And that's, you know, I'm a thank you guys for keeping the heartbeat alive. But Tim and I actually want to put out a bit of a challenge because it's time. I wanna, we want to actually invite all of you to join us on a Tuesday night to become part of the heart of this church and to pray. And you may not be able to make it every Tuesday, but maybe it's once a fortnight you come along. Or maybe you can come for half an hour and then you've got to head off. Or maybe, you know, we're starting and then you come in half an hour late and you just pray for a bit. But what it shows me and what it shows God is that, hey, you know what? I'm invested in this church. I'm invested in the heart of this church and I'm going to bring my heart and I'm going to give up my time and I'm going to sacrifice my time and I'm going to come and I'm going to align my heart with the heart of God and pray into the heart of this church. Let me tell you, if we don't pray, nothing will happen. Nothing will happen. Nothing happens. Nothing shifts. Nothing moves without prayer. And so what we're actually going to do for the next little season, we're going to um, trial it, see how it goes. But um, especially coming into the summer months and daylight savings, is we're actually going to move the prayer meeting earlier. So it's going to be 6 p.m. till 7 p.m. Now, like I said, you may not be able to make it by 6, but maybe you can rock up at 6.30 and pray with us for half an hour. Maybe you can come at 6 and just pray for, you know, half an hour and then you've got to head off. That's okay. You know what? Bring the kids. Do whatever you need to do. And, and this is, I don't want you to feel pressured like, oh my gosh, I have to be there. And, you know, Pastor Jody is going to hate us if we don't come to prayer meeting. Like, it's not like that at all. But I'm just trying to, um, I guess, implore us to, to join together and, and to, to come together as the heart of this church and pray together and believe that things are going to shift and things are going to change for our church. So we'll send out a reminder, but 6 p.m. till 7 p.m., we're going to be praying together every single Tuesday night right here at the church. Amen. Very, very good. And I know some of you have commitments and you just can't make it. And it's okay. It's all good. Do what you can. Pray at home if you can't make it into the room. Um, so God chooses people according to their hearts. God searches our hearts. He knows the secrets of our hearts. God knows the deep things in our hearts that we think our secret that maybe we think God doesn't know, but he knows. <laughs> he knows it all. <laughs> you know, little things that we've hidden from everyone else, little things that we've managed to keep a secret for our whole lives or, you know, oh, no one knows that truth about me. God knows. God knows our secrets and he loves us anyway. 
God tests our hearts. He tests our hearts through situations that come our way. God tests our hearts through other people, those people that he's put in our lives that grate against us and that irritate us. God actually uses them to test what's in our hearts and to test where we're at. Leadership, sometimes the challenges that our leaders might bring or our our team leaders or our pastors, you know, these things are all about testing our hearts. God is so interested in our hearts. And he and he alone transforms our hearts. He and he alone. We cannot transform our own heart. We cannot make our own heart pure. It is only through God. He alone transforms the heart. You know, just as there is a real God who loves you and is so committed to you and so passionate about you, there is also an enemy. There is a devil and his whole motive is to kill, to steal and destroy, John 10.10 tells us. And, you know, um, I'm not about giving the devil any airtime and, and, you know, glorifying him or going chasing after him. But I actually think that you can't look at the roots of the heart without understanding that the devil actually uses situations and circumstances and, and life to actually put barbs in our heart and to cause... Um, to, to create strongholds, to actually start to plant himself inside of our hearts that foster and fester with those attitudes and bitterness and offense and stuff. The enemy loves using all of that stuff. And um, there's a pastor in New Zealand who, who talks a lot about this sort of thing, and his name is Mike Connell. And he talks about the enemy entering into our hearts through through various ways. Sometimes it's through trauma in our childhood or trauma in our lives. Sometimes that can actually open a door in our hearts for the enemy to come in. Sometimes it's generational lines. It's maybe word curses that we speak over ourselves. You know, sometimes we wonder why we have this issue, but then we also are a person who speaks about awful things over ourselves all the time. Sometimes it's word curses that come out of our mouths that we're speaking out that actually... Um, cause roots and, and foul things to take hold in our heart. And also, he says, it's through doorways that we open up to the enemy, doorways in our hearts that we open up. Proverbs 4.23 tells us to guard our hearts, for out of it flow the issues of life. It is up to us to guard our own heart. I cannot guard your heart for you, and you cannot guard my heart for me. And here's the thing, I think sometimes we look at that verse and we go, oh, I'm going to guard my heart, I'm going to put walls up, I'm not going to let anyone else in, I'm going to withdraw, I'm not going to be part of that, I'm, I'm going to withdraw, I'm not going to talk to people, I'm just not going to even go near that person, you know, I'm going to put all these walls up and boundaries up and don't get me wrong, we need boundaries and we need to be wise with that kind of thing. But what this verse is talking about is, is like a guard at, at your heart and guarding what comes in and what comes out. It's, it's guarding and saying, no, wait, you're not allowed in here. That, that situation, that offense is not allowed in my heart. That bitterness is not allowed in my heart. It's a guard standing there like those guards in London where, you know, someone comes too close and they're like, stand back. <laughs> You know, that's what we need to be like with our hearts. It's like, no, get back, devil. You will not get a foothold in my life. And um, 
If you can imagine, imagine like, you know, you're being chased by someone and, and you run through the door and you go to slam that door shut and that person puts their foot in the door to stop the door being closed. That's what the enemy tries to do. In Ephesians 4.27, it says, do not give the devil a foothold. Stop stuff before it even gets in. That is what guarding our hearts is about. It's putting a guard at our heart and stopping stuff before it even enters in. It's not allowing the enemy to put his foot in the door and leave a gap for things to creep in, allowing the enemy access to our hearts. So some practical ways to avoid the animal having a foothold. Forgive quickly. Forgive quickly. And daily, every day, I mean, it's part of the Lord's Prayer. Lord, help me to forgive. God, who is there? And sometimes we think we've forgiven someone, but actually we need to forgive again and again and again. God, help me to forgive. Don't hold grudges. Don't hold a grudge. It's only going to affect you. It's only going to damage your heart. Let go of bitterness and offense. Don't allow the bitterness and offense to stay lingering in your heart, but let it go. Let it slide, pardon me, let it slide off easily. Let it slide off easily. Let it slide off easily. I choose not to let that thing take hold in my heart. I have a barb in my heart. I let it slide off. I'm not even going to allow it access. So ask God daily to show you someone you need to forgive, anyone you need to forgive or anything that has taken root in your heart. Pray that prayer. Holy Spirit, search my heart. Search my heart and show me if there's anything offensive in me. Choose not to judge. You know, a judging heart is a wrong heart. A judging heart is a wrong heart. So choose not to judge. But understand that everyone is different. Every circumstance is different. We view everything from our own perception. That is not always reality. <laughs> you know, choose not to judge. Think about what is pure and lovely and read the scriptures. Search the scriptures. Like meditate on the scriptures. I remember when I was in um, youth ministry, um, probably I was like, I don't know, 25 or 27 or something like that. And, and I was um, working alongside our youth pastor quite closely and running the music team and stuff and, and doing all of that kind of thing. And then he decided to move on. And I didn't necessarily want to be running the youth ministry. I was okay with not being the, the leader of it. But they put someone over the youth ministry that was quite a bit younger, like probably about five years younger than me. And I didn't think I had a problem with that. I was like, you know, yeah, he's a nice guy. Like, it's all good kind of thing. But very quickly, I started to realize that I was like, had a little bit of an issue with this. That, you know, I thought this guy, I knew better than him because I was older than him. And I had more experience. And, oh, I wouldn't do it that way and whatever. And I very quickly realized that I was starting to get a little bit of an attitude about this person that God had put in authority over me. And what I did is I searched the scripture for every verse about authority and about leadership and about submission. And I wrote it out and I journaled it and I prayed every day, Lord, help my heart to be submissive. Help me to have a submissive heart. Help me, Jesus, to come under the authority that you have placed over me. And I really prayed every day that God would help me. And I... I now, I, I don't have a problem with authority. Every now and again, 
there will be a time where I won't agree with something or, you know, I'll be like, oh, I wouldn't have done it that way or whatever. And occasionally there's that little attitude that you sense, but very quickly I recognize it and I say, no, God, I surrender. I, I submit. God, I'm under alignment. I choose to let that go. And so, you know, it's just an example of the little things, the little things, but searching the scripture. What is it the issue in your heart? Is it rejection? Is it anger? Is it fear? Is it loneliness? Whatever it might be, search the scriptures and write them out, journal them, put them up in front of you and speak them out loud. But get the word of God. The word is our sword. We defeat the enemy with the word of God, with the sword of the spirit. And as you proclaim the scripture, it will bring change in your heart. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God. Submit your heart to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's time for the church to awake, to arise. Awake from your slumber. Arise from your sleep. There's a verse that talks about it. The devil has gotten very good at putting the church to sleep. The devil has gotten very good at causing the church to be in a slumber where we just sit back and accept everything that comes our way. But actually, the Bible talks about spiritual warfare and it talks about resisting the devil and he will flee. And sometimes we think, oh, well, I've resisted. I've prayed once and I stood firm, but nothing happened. Nothing changed, so I give up. But the Bible says, so when you've done everything in Ephesians 6, stand and stay standing and continue to stand. Stand in faith and keep speaking the word of God and keep resisting the enemy and he has to flee. He must bow at the name of Jesus. We've got to get better, church, at understanding the fruit of my life comes from a root in my heart and I am going to deal with that root. I'm going to bring it before God. I'm going to resist the enemy and I'm going to see the devil flee. I'm going to see that thing break off of me in Jesus' name. You know, we might think that someone is angry and they need anger management, like I said before, but perhaps it's a root of bitterness from a situation that took place in their lives. We sometimes see constant sickness in a person's life, but the root can actually be a spirit of infirmity that has taken a hold of their lives, from maybe from a generational curse or something. Sometimes we might see a certain reaction from someone and we think it's quite extreme or out of place, but actually there is a root of deep rejection or, or a, a root of something else in their heart and their life. You know, we might see a serious illness, but sometimes it's because of a root that has been caused by trauma in that person's life and the enemy has come and gotten a foothold in their heart and taken, um, and, and taken uh, real estate, really, in, in their heart and their life. You know, I love, um, Jess Sylvester shared a story recently where she had a really bad back for a long time and, and she actually was praying about it and she saw God um, God showed her a picture of something like with its grip around her back and, and God spoke to her about unforgiveness. And as she began to pray about forgiving and she, and she really said, God, I need you to help me forgive in this situation, that as she did, that it just released its grip and all the pain went from her back completely. So I think it's time for us to wake up and realize, church, that the devil is trying to steal, kill and destroy. And it doesn't mean that every little thing is the devil. It doesn't mean that we start 
about chasing after the devil or anything like that. But I think we have to understand that there is a spiritual battle that we are engaging with. And sometimes it's just an attitude in our heart that we need to deal with. But I tell you what, if we don't deal with it, the enemy will have a field day with it. So we need to get good at guarding our heart, at dealing with the roots so that the fruit is good. Amen? Amen. You know, it's not a guessing game, church. God wants us to be free. He wants us to be free. It's not about going, oh, Lord, is there anything in me? You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. If there's something, he'll show you. Sometimes you might need someone to come alongside you and also point some stuff out because we have blind spots. We have areas that we can't see ourselves, you know, and sometimes we need a leader or a, a wise friend to say, hey, you know what? I think there might be an attitude here. I think there might be a bit of offense here or something that's going on that God really wants to deal with, right? But when we come before God humbly and honestly, he will show us. He will show us because he wants us to be free. He cares about our hearts. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Do not live under the yoke of slavery any longer. It's a burden and it's heavy and we're not meant to live under it. Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Psalm 34.18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Because church, you know what? We are all broken. None of us are, are, you know, completely whole. Like we are in Christ, but we're still living out our humanity. We're daily being sanctified. We should all daily be asking the Holy Spirit to search our hearts, but we can all be free. Everyone has past circumstances and backgrounds and they cause us, we cause us to view things through our own lens. But you know what? What we can do is we can just even every day go, you know what, God? I'm not sure what that person meant by that, but I refuse to take it on. I know you love me, Jesus. I know you care for me. And you know what happens? Bam, off it goes. It slides off. Release and you're free. It's just there's a pure heart there. Don't let offense take you out of the game. Don't let bitterness become a deep root in your heart. So some ways to get free, like I said, scripture, look it up, meditate it, quote it, look at it, deal with it, like every day get into it. Community, be in community. Your connect leader, if there's something in your heart and you're all, you know, in your life, and you're like, I'm not sure what's going on here. Chat to your connect leader. Catch up with your connect leader and say, hey, I just want to bring this to you. What do you think about this? You know, ask them for some wise advice. Um, within the community of connect group, you know, during our prayer times, like asking our friends to pray for us, being transparent and, and vulnerable, but obviously understanding that if our situation involves other people, let's not let it turn into gossip, but let's... Um, you know, make sure that we're private and that we're careful with details. Prayer time at church, response times, which we're about to have in a moment, saying, you know what, God, I understand this is not about condemnation. This is not about judgment. This is about me wanting to be free. And so, God, I'm going to respond and I'm going to come for some prayer. Sometimes we need actual freedom ministry, ongoing prayer ministry, some really like a, a session where we spend some time really delving into the roots and the stuff of the past and Holy Spirit just highlighting areas that we need to break off and that he wants to break off of us. Sometimes it's ongoing professional counseling alongside our prayer partner. There are so many ways to get free with the power of the Holy Spirit. But the first step is, do you want to live free? Do you want to live free?
What is in your heart today? What are the roots in your heart today? Is there unforgiveness? Is there bitterness? Is there offence? Is there, you know, sometimes it's just like a thing we've heard about someone else and we just actually start to develop a bit of an attitude about that person. And it's not, we're not even involved or whatever. We just need to go, God, I release that thing. It is, it is, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. What is it in my heart today? Psalm 51, 16 to 17, David said, You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Maybe, David, if you could come. And truly, church, this is what it's about. This is how I want to live, God. And it's not, it's not talking about like this, you know, mess of a person every day, but a brokenness before God where we're like, God, I admit that I am broken without you. God, I admit that there is stuff in my heart and I need you to help me deal with it. I want to be free. I want my heart to be pure. I want my heart to be to be pure so that I can say, search me, God, and show me if there's anything that offends you. I want to be free. So today, why don't we just all close our eyes? And I just want to ask today, you know, in this room or out in the parents' lounge, today, if you're sitting here and you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're talking about the roots of our heart and, and getting free from those issues and those things, but truly, the first step is acknowledging Jesus. The first step is actually saying, Jesus, I need you to come into my heart and into my life. Jesus, I need to be in relationship with you. I want to I say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. And so today I just want to ask, is there anyone here today you need to put Jesus first? You need to give your life to Jesus. You need to give your heart to Jesus. You need to acknowledge that, that he is Lord and, and invite him to be your Lord and your Savior. Is there anybody here today? Just lift your hand if that's you today. You want to give your life to Jesus today. You want to give your heart to Jesus today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.